I'm uh, Henry McCabe. I was born September the 3rd, 1922, uh, in a three-room house alongside a railroad in Cleveland, Oklahoma. My father was a mechanical uh, engineer on a railroad in Osage, Oklahoma, and uh, not a conventional engineer, but one who was a mechanic on steam engines and worked inside of a roundhouse. Uh, this roundhouse would bring in engines and they would turn around so employees could uh, work on the engine. I moved from Cleveland to Osage in my first year of birth in 1922, uh, uh, so we moved over there during that year. Uh, my father was married to uh, Pearl McCabe. Uh, her maiden name is Pearl Pierce. Uh, they moved from uh, Arkansas in a covered wagon with their mother and dads. They had uh, horses and uh, they had their cows and chickens with them and they moved to Oklahoma in uh, 1921. My father worked before he came to Cleveland as an underground miner in uh, Miami, Oklahoma, which was a, a coal mining town uh, and also a lead and zinc mining town. So uh, they moved down there and I was born in raised there in Osage uh, all of my life until uh, 1942. You'll be of interest uh, what's happened to me recently. I'm, uh, as of September the 3rd, I'm 96 years old, and I, I met a young lady who was 84 at a retirement center, and we got married uh, eight months ago. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, living life to its fullest, making travels, and and getting acquainted with people. Uh, now after I uh, entered high, uh, grade school, I was a, s a small person, and uh, even though I was just turned six years old, they let me start the school and, uh, when, uh, when I was six years old, which that would make it 1928, and uh, I was there until I graduated in, in 1940. As I was coming up as a child, I was always in, interested in uh, doing things and uh, working and selling and doing stuff rather than sports. So I, I sold, uh, oh, when I was about six or eight years old, I sold uh, uh, some salve called Cloverine Salve door to door and uh, bought the salve for uh, 20 cents and sold it for 35, something like that. And... Uh, I sold a lot of salve. Actually, I had more pocket chains and money in my pocket than my uncles who were all unemployed at the time. Also, I sold a, a, paper, a newspaper called uh, Grit about that time, uh, which is still being published. Um, more recently, I got a invitation from them to renew my subscription, and I hadn't heard from them for years. But anyhow, after that, I, I, I became, uh, uh, I, I sh signed shoes at a barber shop on weekends and uh, during the week, uh, later as I got somewhat older, I, I, I delivered newspapers. I had a newspaper route and had uh, about 125 customers and I also uh, mowed lawns and washed windows and, and did all of that. Later, uh, I became a, a fry cook and uh, worked at a local restaurant there in Osage as a fry cook, and I learned, learned how to do that. When I was about 16 years old, 
I would catch a train from Osage uh, down to Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and they had an interurban rail line from Sand Springs into downtown Tulsa, cost you 10 cents, and I'd ride that down and get off at Union Station. I had an uncle who worked in Tulsa for Sun Oil Company, and he let me stay with them. And for two years in a row, I worked as a fry cook at a string of small restaurants in downtown Tulsa uh, called the Golden Goose. And I learned, uh, I learned that business side of it. Uh, prior to that, uh, being uh, a dishwasher there in Osage for a small restaurant, uh, this man saw some potential in me, and he said, uh, Henry said, once you get out of school, once you and I get together and we'll go to Sand Springs and we'll get a rail car and we'll put in a hamburger stand. That's the first business deal I didn't get into. Okay. But ne nevertheless, I did, I did learn somewhat of the business. And uh, then I, uh, I got, got out of high school. I went to OSU University briefly. And uh, thereafter, I went to a trade school here in Tulsa. Uh, the trade school was involved in training different employees on how to make parts for an uh, airplane here in Tulsa that was being manufactured by Spartan Aircraft. It was a, it was a Stearman airplane, uh, biplane, and was purchased by the Navy as a training plane for the Navy pilots. I went to work uh, uh, there in about 1941 uh, as a what they call a production expediter and uh, the expediter uh, would come to work and if there was a certain part missing on that plane that was not qualified to be approved to be sold to the Navy you'd find that particular part our parts and uh, in the plant someplace and expedite it to all the process so that you could get that plane released to the Navy. So that's, I got my early training there. Uh, while I was in the trade school, I learned how to make uh, aircraft wing parts and uh, plywood. I also studied some um, engineering drawings and knew how to, they showed us how to read blueprints. Also how to trace electrical diagrams and hydraulic diagrams. So it was a big training thing for me. So I worked here at Spartan, and when I came along for my first review, uh, the young guy that I worked for was my manager. He, I was up for a raise. I was making 35 cents an hour, and uh, I was supposed to get a raise, and he, he, he wouldn't give me a raise for some reason or other. So I took off and went to uh, Wichita, Kansas, and went to work for Culver Aircraft. Culver Aircraft was a, a plane that made plywood planes as well, and these planes uh, were called a, a PQ-8, which is a target plane that was used for artillery practice. In other words, if you flew one of these planes that, as small as they were at 4,000, that would simulate some uh, height as much as 14,000. So they used them for artillery practice. These are one of the first planes that were totally f flown automatically. The planes could be taken off and landed without a pilot aboard. It's quite an experience, and I, I worked there uh, for several months up until uh, uh, October of uh, October the 12th, 1942. Uh, prior to that, I, I I got married, and I was married uh, for 
a spell, and we had a son. And uh, going home one weekend from Tulsa to Wichita, uh, a tire blew out on the car, and this uh, little boy, baby boy, uh, was in the back seat in the bassinet, and he fell out, and the car rolled over him, and he was killed instantly. That changed my life. I was very unsettled. A few weeks thereafter, I decided I wanted to go into Air Force. So I enlisted in the Army Air Force and uh, was transferred to uh, Midland, Texas uh, at the Bombardier Training School in Midland. And uh, while I was there, uh, orders were issued for me to uh, get out of boot camp and go into immediate training to the uh, to become a control tower operator. So I was there for uh, several months, and then thereafter, uh, Army had an ASTP program called uh, Army Specialized Training Program, of which uh, they were training people to go to Europe to reconst help reconstruct Europe. I joined the ASTP program and uh, at Lake Charles, Louisiana, John Benice Junior College in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, my engineering skills on geometry and algebra and other aspects of engineering was not my my cup of tea. I realized that, so I went down to the local base there in uh, Lake Charles, near, near Lake Charles, and talked to the line superintendent if he couldn't get me back as a control tower operator. And surprisingly, um, he said, I'll talk to the lieutenant and they got orders cut, and I got back as a control tower operator. Uh, the next move, I had nothing to do with it. Orders were sent down for me to be moved to uh, Napier Field in Dothan, Alabama. And I was stationed there. Uh, Dothan, Alabama was a special base for advanced training planes. The first jets that were flown uh, were flown out of uh, Dothan as a base for advanced training pilots. The base in Midland, Texas, of which I had been in, uh, was a bombardier and navigator training school where the pilots were trained for that. But I stayed in, uh, in the Air Force until after the war was over. I was uh, uh, mustered out uh, January the 3rd in 1946. So that gave me uh, three years, three months, and three days of service. So I left that and uh, had opportunities to go in the type of a different type of marketing, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to get into uh, heavy uh, industrial type marketing rather than the normal retail marketing that I was accustomed to doing, and so I went to work for a company called uh, Black Sills and Bryson. Uh, this company specialized in uh, building stock tanks and heater treaters and other uh, type of equipment uh, for to produce oil and gas. They produced anything that was needed from the wellhead to the pipeline. And I was in that industry uh, for a number of years. I was uh, uh, stationed there. I started out in Lindsay, Oklahoma and uh, in 46. And then in uh, 1947, I, I got married to uh, Joanne Shelton there. And uh, we uh, immediately moved to uh, back, back, moved to Midland, Texas, as a uh, area sales representative there in uh, Midland, and I was 
involved in that for uh, that type of business for about uh, about 13 years. I, I I went with another company briefly, but most of my time was spent uh, in that oil and gas business. We had a downturn uh, in the oil business, and I could recognize that the opportunity that for me as a person was not not there. And so I had become acquainted with a banker uh, there in. Uh, where we lived in uh, Texas at the time. And uh, there was a startup company called uh, Heart of Texas Mining, and they produced uh, oil well frac sand at a plant down in uh, Brady, Texas, about 200 miles from Fort Worth, Dallas. Uh, I was hired on as uh, uh, sales, and uh, later they, they made me vice president and general manager of that uh, company. and. Uh, we grew that company uh, to being one of the largest uh, producers of frac sand. Along the way, while we were building that, uh, we, we would accumulate a large amount of waste material uh, called sand that was unusable for fracking. So I developed uh, a contract with a company that needed a product called silica flour. And we would take the waste material and then and we installed, had in, engineered and installed a, uh, ball mills to grind up the fine sand and make silica flour. This flour was used in uh, uh, pipe manufacturing. Uh, at that time, it was permissible to make uh, pipe out of uh, concrete and asbestos fiber. It was called transite pipe, widely used worldwide, even though it was very dangerous to work with asbestos fiber it was done so we had a contract with them uh, for a period of years of which enabled us to uh, build a, a grinding plant thereafter uh, this same company which was a very large national firm uh, invited us to build a plant in um, California they were building a new plant there so I went to California and acquired property out there and uh, we built a similar grinding plant uh, in California, at Riverside, California. And we got our raw material from a plant called uh, uh, Grande Granite, north of Riverside. And uh, we had a very long con contract on that. And I, I worked at that, uh, in that business there for, for nine years. And along the way, they, we were acquired by a, a firm that had gone public, and they they wanted us to find uh, different business interests and to promote and build that company up. So uh, I traveled extensively looking for uh, minerals in New Mexico, Old Mexico, several properties in West Texas, uh, looked for sand down in Old Mexico. So I had an opportunity to uh, look at a lot of different type of businesses and and to see if we could promote uh, those products, of which, uh, as a result of that, we started selling some of our silica flour that we were making there in Brady, Texas, to a plant in uh, Monterey, Mexico. Uh, during the course of trying to expand the plant, we encountered one opportunity that didn't fit the profile of the uh, owners of the company that I worked for was called Texas Oil and Gas. Uh, so after about a year or two, the 
plant that we looked at in Oklahoma was a company that produced uh, uh, dolomite, which is a double carbonate material uh, used in uh, glass making. Uh, it just didn't fit the return that was necessary for them to make the kind of investment. So I put together a small investment group. There was uh, four of us, and then we invited some investors to come in with us, another four people, and raised the capital to buy this uh, operation in Oklahoma that had been shut down due to labor problems. And so we went up there, and this plant uh, specialized in dolomite. Uh, dolomite adds uh, a chemical to a glass that keeps it from changing color. It's called blooming in glass, and glass made is called blooming. You've seen old Coke bottles or old bottles that have turned color. That's because it's short of magnesium in the glass. You've, but every windshield, every architectural piece of glass you see today has dolomite in it. Uh, dolomite is a double carbonate, has magnesium in it, and also has calcium. So it's widely used worldwide in glass making. I was uh, a president of the company for a period of about eight or nine years. Uh, it came along at the end of the, my tenure there that the man that helped me raise the capital, uh, we had agreed that we would um, uh, share in the profits of it on an equal basis if uh, I, he raised the capital and I would do that. Uh, after about eight or nine years, uh, he started taking out a lot more for his services than we had agreed upon. And so we we agreed that either I'd buy him out or he'd buy me out. So we had a buyer-sell agreement. And so we sold, uh, uh, my family wanted me to sell out rather than to buy the company. I had raised enough capital, I saved enough, I had raised enough capital that I could have bought that bought his interest out and become the primary shareholder in it. But I must tell you some events that happened that really uh, caused my family not to want me to stay on. We had some unfortunate events there, very difficult time for our company. Uh, our plant manager borrowed our uh, grader one weekend and went up to uh, uh, use the grader on his uh, ranch not far from our plant. Coming back, he came across the railroad and got himself killed. And uh, that was very unfortunate. Uh, we went to our insurance people and they said, well, uh, your policy of all the exclusions they had on that it, 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 if any accident occurred on a railroad easement, their policy wouldn't cover. Can you imagine that happening? And that's what happened. So they wouldn't represent us. They wouldn't go to a our negotiations. So we finally wound up with a, a law firm in Oklahoma City that was very versatile in understanding rail law. And uh, we figured it out that if we went to the, uh, uh, by this time, uh, the widow of the, uh, the gentleman who got killed uh, had sued the company for oh, three or $400,000. And obviously we didn't have that kind of funds and we had no insurance coverage. So, Nevertheless, uh, we got with this uh, law firm out of Oklahoma City, and uh, they led us through a pathway of joining up with the widow to sue our insurance company in order to get her coverage. 
And uh, lo and behold, uh, we went for the federal judge and he agreed that uh, uh, she was entitled to her funds, that we could join her in the lawsuit. So we sued our insurance company and they paid her off and paid our insurance legal fees as well. So you can see it was a very difficult time uh, during that. And then not long after that, we had one of our long-term employees who, uh, who was out on one of the rail cars uh, loading it. And in this instance, uh, he had to lower the chute down in order to let it get in the uh, rail car. Well, this uh, gentleman who had done this for years, it did not raise the chute, started uh, by gravity, letting the rail car move down the line to be loaded, and he was trapped between that and, uh, and caused his death. So we had a, a lot of trauma, and it was uh, pro probably the right time for me to, uh, to uh, move on. And so I sold my interest in, um, in that company, which was called Delta Mining, and started the company that I'm still now involved in called uh, McCabe Minerals. Uh, this uh, we're celebrating our 43rd year of operations. <clears throat> it was started by one of my former employees and myself, and was originally known as uh, the McCabe Woody Company. And my partner was a very dear Christian friend of mine. Uh, he and I worked well together, and, and until his death, we were very close friends. He wanted to get out of the business in the, about 25 years ago and go on mission field with he and his wife. And so uh, he put the price on what he wanted for the stock. We had it evaluated. So I, I bought his interest out and became the sole owner of the McCabe Woody Company. Oh, in about two or three years, I decided that since I put all the effort into it and my family was currently involved in it, that we changed the name from McCabe Woody Company to the McCabe Minerals Company. And shortly thereafter, uh, Woody left the company. Uh, my son, Vern, uh, who had been with her company as uh, vice president of sales, uh, moved in and became uh, actually the general manager of the company. Uh, he, has, he and uh, his staff and his wife, Rosemary, have been actually running the business now for about uh, 20 years or so. And I've, I'm still around. I, I bring to the company certain talents that we still use. Uh, we still develop properties uh, uh, for frac sand and uh, also uh, for uh, glass making and foundries. And uh, we're still active in that area of uh, interest. And uh, I get up every day asking the Lord, well, what's going to be new for me today? So that's where I am, okay?